Boy, this week has really challenged us so much with what we've learned about prayer over the last few weeks, hasn't it? And I think even with the news of uh, Pastor Han and uh, his health situation uh, this week, uh, it's challenged us even more. And, you know, we're going to end the service in just a little while today uh, with a special prayer time for him. Just want you all to know that because I know sometimes people get looking towards the end. I want you to understand what's going to happen at the end. We want to join together and be unified and praying, praying for Randy. But um, anyway, it's just been a great joy just to learn a little bit more, even as uh, Randy shared with us last week how he manages his prayer time. If you missed that, oh, you need to go online. You need to click on that. You need to listen to it. You need to hear it as he begins to talk and share about how he prays each and every day and, and how that helps him be very strategic in the way he prays and thinks and talks. And, you know, even, even before that, the first week of the series, as we began to learn more about prayer, understanding that the great gift of God it is for us to be able to come before him and to pray with him and to have a right relationship with him and to even call him daddy. That's the creator of the universe. It's, it, it's, it's the one who spoke the worlds into existence. And here he is. We are able to have that kind of close and intimate relationship with him. It's, um, it's God's grace. It's his kindness to us. But having said that, listen, it's grace doesn't mean that we can live any way we want to and still have access to the gift of prayer. Grace doesn't mean we can just live any way we want to. In fact, God is never okay with sin. He loves us too much to be okay with what destroys. And sin is always going to mess things up. And that includes prayer. You know, prayer, prayer, you know, when we engage in prayer, and when we do that, if we have sin in our life, that's going to become a great hindrance to everything that we're trying to do. And so we're going to look this morning at uh, uh, continuing the series that Randy was talking. I've taken his notes and, and kind of reworked them a little bit, but uh, his notes on viruses that hinder our prayers. First, I think we need to make note of sometimes when we're praying for something, though, it could be that God has answered the prayer and the answer just happens to be no. Yeah, he has the right to do that, you know, and so sometimes he just says no. But Lord, I won't. And he says no. Why? Because he is, he, he's just great in his wisdom and his love and, and his affection for us. And, and in that Sometimes he says no, because he understands what's best for us. There are other times in the midst of that prayer that God doesn't say no, but he says, wait, the timing's not right. This is not the place. This is not the time, but, but just wait. And those are always difficult, aren't they? You know, those times, you know, God's timing's always perfect. Y'all have heard that before. That always means he's never late, but it also means he's never early. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of wait and we're ready to go, but God's timing is always just perfect. And, and we can see that. But you know what? No, what we want to see is that sin is, is certainly a, it's kind of a difficult message because, you know, all week I've been kind of working on this thing and God's been dealing with me. And so now I get to change that over and share that with you. How's that? That's, uh, but, but 
what we want is to be able to have the right kind of access to God so that we can know that our prayers are not being hindered. And so we're going to look at four viruses and look at some things. I want to share with you several verses. We've got a lot of scripture that we're going to look at today. Um, and uh, the first one is not going to be on the screen, but it's found in Ephesians chapter 5. I've been reading in the book of Ephesians this week. And it just seems that there's a lot of things that kind of connect the dots for me when we talk about this ideal of prayer and prayers being hindered and, and what that looks like in the book of Ephesians. And, and several things just kind of stand out to me as you read through that. One of those things is the, this ideal of, of in the heavenlies. We, you see that term multiple times throughout the book of Ephesians, and, and that's a different realm. It's a spiritual realm. It's not something that we can see with our eyes, but it's something that is spiritually discerned. It's something that we, we can be engaged in. We can be a part of, but it's not with our human eyes. We actually engage into this heavenlies or in this, to this heavenly realm through the act of prayer. And so as we pray, we are actually engaging in spiritual warfare because that's where it all happens. The second thing about this in the heavenlies is that if you read the book of Ephesians, you see a lot of references and things to satanic activity or Satan's activity within this heavenly realm. And so, you know, Paul, as he's writing this, he's saying, hey, this is important, guys. I want you to understand that as we pray or as we do these things, it's important for you to see that there is a spiritual warfare that is going on. And if you fall prey to that spiritual warfare, then you're going to have some difficulties and stuff. And so um, one of the passages we're going to read in just a second deals with the whole armor of God. So that's a very familiar passage. A lot of people know that. But the interesting thing, that at the end of that passage where he's talking about and describing the armor of God, the next statement says, praying always for one another. Because the whole act of putting on the armor of God is an act to be standing in and against the spiritual things through prayer. And so it's very important. But first verse is found in Ephesians 5 verse 15. And it just goes back and reinforces this idea that, that God's not okay with sin of our life. And listen to what it says. He says this. He says, so be careful how you live. That's a good admonition. Be careful. Be careful how you live. In other words, think about it. Put weight on to the decisions that you make. Be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Well, there's some good news in this. One is, he's saying, hey, don't, don't live irresponsibly. Don't, don't just live foolishly, but take advantage of every opportunity and understand. I love that. Understand. That means you comprehended. You know. You have a full realization of what the Lord wants you to do. Have you ever sat back and said, well, I wonder what God's will is for me? Well, this scripture is talking like, like we know it. And that's good news because we can know what God wants us to do by following his, his commands. And by doing that, God continually reveals himself to us. And we become more and more in tune to what he's doing in us and around us and through us. And that then we begin to understand it is what God is calling us to do or be about. But today counts. Today counts. So do what the Lord wants you to do. To do. Tomorrow is never the day to seek God's will. It's always when? Today. 
And so we've got to do that. We've got to do that. Now flipping on over to uh, uh, chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul kind of finishes up his whole letter to, to the church of Ephesus. And he says this, he says, a final word. He's saying, okay, man, I've, we've talked about so much stuff. And they really have. They've talked about marriage and raising kids and, and dealing with the flesh and all this. I mean, they've talked about so much stuff. And he says, hey, a final word. Verse 10, chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So that's good. He says, be strong. And then he tells us how to do it. Be strong in the Lord and do this by putting on the armor of God. And he says this, so so that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits, and here's that term, in the heavenly places. So in that spiritual realm, once again, it's talking about, hey, there's this battle that's going on, and we have to be ready to face it. And the only way we can be strong in the Lord is by putting on the armor of God and by doing that. And, and, and what I want to say to you, that as we begin to look at the armor of God, and we be able, we're going to read it, and we're going to look at specific pieces of the armor of God and how that relates to some of the hindrances that we could have in our prayer life. Now, that's not a comprehensive study of the armor of God. There's so much more that you can get out of that. So I, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to pull out and say, hey, here, here's everything you can learn about the armor of God. But we can look at it and say, hey, you know what? If I'm going to be serious about my prayer life, and if I'm going to really reach out to the throne of grace and try to have this intimate relationship with God, I don't want there to be some hindrances. I don't want there to be viruses that are coming in and destroying that or distracting me from it. And so I've got to be prepared and I want to look at a little bit of the armor of God to help me do that. So let's finish up there. Verse 13, it says, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. And for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet. That's kind of the requirement, isn't it? That's the first thing. Some of this doesn't make much sense to anybody. You're saying this is really not really connecting with me. I don't get it. And folks, it might be because you really need to come and understand that these things are spiritually discerned and without the Holy Spirit living in your life, without accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to get it. You're not going to understand those things. And so you have to put on the helmet of salvation. You have to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. You have to come into that kind of relationship with him. But anyway, further, he says, put on the salvation as your helmet. And then take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which we're going to look at a lot today in the sense of saying, hey, this is what the word teaches. This is, you know, the wonderful thing we have about the word of God is that it, God has saved and given and protected this word so that it has everything we need. To have a right and growing and intimate relationship with him. Thank the Lord for that, man. Because we have everything, every word. You know, it's just awesome that God loves us so much that he gave us this. But then look at verse 18. Praying in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. A direct connection between putting on the armor and praying for one another and being a part of that. And so, man, if God's command to us is to pray, 
and God's command for us is to relate to him in such, a, such an intimate way, then we need to really examine that. And we want to look at four very specific areas. I've had trouble with that word all morning. I don't know what it is. You know, once it happens, it just, you, you can't get it out. And uh, so I say I can't say it. Specific areas <laughs> uh, that, uh, that we want to look at possible viruses and then look at a piece of the armor that I think kind of appropriately looks at. And the first thing we want to look at is the breastplate of righteousness or the body armor of Christ. You know, who is our righteousness? It's Christ. He's saying, put on Christ. Live for him. Live the Christ life. Make everything that you have in you live for Christ because it is through him that we obtain forgiveness of sins. It is through him that we are looked at as righteous by God. But the counterpart of that, or the flip side of that coin of that, is our prayers can be hindered or because of a virus, if you would, of unconfessed sin. If we have unconfessed sin in our life, then it can stop our prayers from being effective. Look at these two verses. You have Psalm 66, 18. It says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Also, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Some scary passages in my mind. But listen to this. What does it mean, it says, if I have cherished iniquity in my heart? You know what it really means? It means that if I have valued something more than my relationship with God, if I have va- put more value on it than, than I was willing to, to, to own up to it, what do we mean? Well, you know, if I have unconfessed sin, and if I'm, or if I'm participating in a sinful act, or if I'm gossiping, or if I'm lusting, or if I'm watching inappropriate things, or if I'm, uh, you know, whatever, you, you just start naming the sins, guys. We all have some things going through our minds right now, don't we? Okay? But if that is part of, what, of my life, and I'm holding on to it because I don't want to stop, or I don't want to change, or because I like it, and now I'm making excuses for it in order to try to say I'm okay doing it, I am cherishing it, I am valuing it more than I am my relationship with God. And that's what... The psalmist is saying, hey, if I've cherished sin in my heart, the Lord will not have listened. Why? Because God, God thinks that his relationship with us should be so overwhelming and so intimate and so personal that it should have prime importance. This should give us a reason to pray every day. You know, if we pray daily, our list of unconfessed sins hopefully stays real short. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that if, if I'm being sensitive to the Lord and I'm giving Him opportunity to speak to me and then I, I, I'm, I'm listening to Him, that I can pray spontaneously as the Lord reveals these things to me. So I'm not waiting till I say prayers at night or when I get up the next morning. Man, if I do something, you know, you know how it is when, you, when something starts to come out of your mouth and just kind of rolls, rolls off your tongue and you know that you know that you know that... You wish you could just take it back, right? Y- y'all been there? And you're saying it, and as you're saying it, the Holy Spirit's saying, Whoo. he's laying his big finger right in between your, you know, pointing at you saying, oh no. Well, listen, when God reveals sin to you, confess it. Confess it then. 
That's the spont- what we're talking about by spontaneous prayer. Don't sit and wait. Don't wait until the night and then you got a man try to remember. Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember everything I've done wrong today. Well, that doesn't work. Okay, pray and confess things as you go. Now, when you get into a more serious time of prayer, when you can, when you can really concentrate on things and you're setting aside that time, boy, then you can pray like David and say, oh Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there's something. God that's there and you can listen to him in your in the quietness of your heart or as you read the word and let God's spirit reveal other things to you and guess what the closer we get to the Lord the more we live for him the more he reveals things to us because you know what and we're in the presence of a holy God our sins just seem to stand out (laughs) if they're ever present before us and so we can do that but listen this guys I want you to understand this here's here is something we need to know. We can't live in rebellion to the Lord and then expect Him to be blessed by praises or open to our needs or wanting to spend time together with us. What do I mean by that? It means that, you know, I can come in here and we can have a wonderful praise and worship time, but if I'm harboring sin in my life, I'm, 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 I'm treasuring it and I'm cherishing that sin in my life and I'm not willing to give it up, God's not impressed by my praises. That's what it means. Don't think that we can just come in and turn on a speaker and say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I can go out and live any way I want to. And then I can just come in and say, okay, I'm here, Lord. Aren't you blessed by my presence? That's not the truth. The truth is that God loves us and he knows what's best for us. And he wants to, to bring us into that close and intimate relationship with us. But we must be willing to confess our sins. And when I say confess, that means admit our sins. To turn from our sins to do that. And it's a work in progress. Man, I tell you. It really is. If, if the Lord hadn't com- hasn't revealed sin to you this week, then you're just not listening. I'm just telling you right now. Because God will reveal sin to us as he does that. So... First virus, unconfessed sin. Second piece of the armor we want to look at here is the shield of faith, if we can do that. And, and that's because the virus of a lack of faith can greatly affect our prayer life. Look at what James wrote. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. That's good news, by the way. Here, here we have a promise. He says, hey, if you lack wisdom, that's me. Ask me, and I, 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 don't, I don't care who you are, I will give you wisdom. God will give us wisdom if we're willing to listen. So he says, he'll give us generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's important. Look at Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, it is in, without faith it is impossible to what? Please God. Man, our faith is so important to do that. Now, on one hand, guys, I think we have to understand when we go to the Lord in prayer and we're talking, that's a, that's a, that's a step of faith in and of itself. When we ask the Lord, we say, oh, dear Lord, God, I pray that you're here. We, we're, that is a, we are acting in faith, but at the same time, are, are we full of doubt? Do we remember the things that God has done for us in the past? The things that he has accomplished? Are we looking back and trusting this track record of God where he has interceded in our life and done some great things time and time again? When we look back at it, 
Well, I'm telling you what, if I see and I'm counting the times that he is, he's come through and answered my prayers, it makes a difference of the level of belief that I have when I'm praying today. A significant amount of difference because I know he answers prayers. Why? Because I remember them. Those are spiritual markers in my life where I've had encounters with him and I've seen him at work and I've seen him do things. And if I can remember that, when I'm praying for new things, I can act and pray in faith. I can be there and I can believe that he's going to answer and do those things. So that's, that's really important to do that. Next piece of armor that we want to look at is the belt of truth. And the belt of truth really deals with the virus of bad motives. You say, well, what, what's the connection? Well, here's the connection. The, the truth is the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The truth is working. And so as we are looking at the word of God and we begin to trust it and look at it, we begin to see that, man, things must connect. Things must be true. I must always be looking for asking things in the right way. Let's look at this verse here. James 4, 3 in the New Living Translation says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. That's plain and simple, isn't it? You're asking, but it's not happening because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Okay. Well, that's tough because I can turn on the TV and flip through any number of channels when I get home, and I'm going to see any number, name them, 5, 10, 15 preachers that are preaching and sharing and saying things that, quite frankly, I don't think match up with the Scriptures real well. Oh, they want to tell me that, oh, God wants me to be wealthy. Just send them $59, you know. Y'all have seen that guy, haven't you? Okay, okay, just send me $59. If you send him $59, it's gone, guys, it's gone. Okay, all right, listen, it's, it's not the truth. God, what, what he is preaching or when the word is preached, it must be true and consistent everywhere we go. It must be the same both here in America, but also be able to be preached in China and be able to preach in Indonesia and be able to preach in India and to be able to preach in Nicaragua and to be able to go into uh, Africa, to Zimbabwe or wherever it may be. It's the same gospel. It's the same good news. It's the same truth. And it has to be consistent. We Americans in our Western culture are not different and more blessed that God wants to do something different for us, okay? And so we have to understand that. And listen, the belt of truth says we must act or pray with the right motives and not just for what's for pleasure. It reminds me, I'll show you my age a little bit because some of you are going to shake your heads and say, oh, I remember that. Reminds me of an old song by Janis Joplin. And it says, oh, Lord, won't you buy me? A Mercedes Benz. Y'all remember that? Okay, there you go. Some of you are shaking heads. Some of you are saying, oh gosh, he is really old. I have never heard a song. Okay, but what I'm saying, hey, we start praying for things that will give us pleasure and somehow we miss out that we're not praying for the will of God. So what does it mean? Is it wrong to pray for material things? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think it's wrong to pray for material things that, that as long as it's in, in respect to what God's doing in our life. Here's what I mean by that. If, if I'm praying for get a better job, that's okay. But it must be at the same time I'm praying saying, God, I need a better job or I'd like another job. But Lord, in the meantime, use me right where I'm at right now. 
You see the difference? It's not just, Lord, deliver me, but God, use me right where I'm at with the people that you've put around me and the circle of influence that you've given me. Help me be the light of Christ. Help me to share the good news. Help me to be an answer to them when they're hurting. God, use me right here. Yes, Lord, I want a better job. You see the difference? We just must always remember that when we're praying, God's will's over here. And here as we get saved, we're over here. But as we begin to be conformed to His image, and we begin to change, and we begin to look at things from a different perspective, and we begin to grow in the knowledge of His Word, and we see God doing things, our will changes. And it begins to reflect and look like what God's will is for our life. And that's what's important. And so we have to be able to check and make sure that bad motives are not influencing our prayer life. Last one that we're going to look at are shoes for the gospel of peace. The shoes that we put on the gospel. That means peace in knowing we're in a right relationship with God. Peace in knowing that we are living in His will. But it also means peace in knowing that we are in the right relationship with other people. Forgiveness is important. And a virus of unforgiveness can absolutely interrupt our prayer life and can hinder our prayers. It is important to God. Look at, look at this verse right here, Matthew 23, 5, 23 and 24. It says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Notice he doesn't say take your gift with you. Okay, just say, <laughs> no, leave your gift. And there before the altar, in other words, hey, you brought the gift, that's it. But, but leave it there. In the middle of your act of worship. See, that's what it means when you're bringing a gift to Him. In the middle of your act of worship. And you remember that, oh, there's something wrong in this relationship I have. And it's, it's, it's not right. It says, hey, leave it. Don't say, oh, I'll talk to them when I get home. It says, go. And be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. That's tough. Let's look at a couple more verses here, if we can. Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debt as we have also forgiven our debtors. And then 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, listen to this. Live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. Man, if we're not doing our job as husbands, if we're not living in that type, if our relationship with our wife is not in the right way, it will hinder our prayers. And one last verse here. 1 Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you have unity in mind, sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, but on the contrary, bless. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What does all this mean? Guys, you know, we just have to be careful how we treat each other. We have to be careful how we love each other. We have to be careful what we say about each other. You know, even if it's the truth, even if what I'm saying coming out of my mouth is the actual truth, if it is, if it is something that, that challenges or, 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 or creates a question mark on somebody's character, I shouldn't say it. Why, as a believer, a Christ follower, do I want to say something about another believer, another Christ follower, that will damage their reputation and then in reality, not just damage their reputation, but will affect 
their ability to minister to other people because what I spoke, truth or not, damaged their reputation. We have to be careful. And let me tell you something. If you've come in here and you've been speaking about other people in a negative, derogatory way, you need to confess it. It's wrong. Unity is important. Forgiveness is important. I think that one of the things that you have to say, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. What, what they've done was wrong. Or they don't deserve it. But in the presence of God, folks, listen to this. We have done wrong and we don't deserve anything that we get there. We cannot ask forgiveness and withhold it. We cannot ask for peace and withhold it. We cannot ask for grace and withhold it. We are totally dependent upon God's grace. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I just have to open myself up to people who, who've, who've been abusive to me, who've hurt me, who've, who've continually piled things on me, and they just won't quit. They're relentless. They keep on, and they keep on. Does that mean in forgiving them, I just had to walk right back into this relationship? No, that's not what I said. I said, God wants you to forgive them, number one. Number two, there is a way of creating healthy boundaries with people who are coming in and creating unhealthy situations. Your job is to make sure that you are doing what's right and you're treating people in the right way. You're loving them in the right way. You're speaking about them in the right way. In a case where that's just not possible, there is ways to create healthy boundaries that still allow you to forgive them, but not to create a vulnerability where you're continually hurt. There's a great book by Henry Cloud called Boundaries. I, I encourage anybody to read that. If you're, if you're struggling with some relationships and looking at that thing, it is a fantastic book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. read. Ridden. That's Southern, isn't it? Okay. Uh, ever read. And uh, uh, you will want to read that if, you, if that's a struggle that you have and what you're going through. You can have healthy boundaries. They are appropriate and they are right. But at the same time, you cannot harbor, you cannot treasure, in a sense, unforgiveness because you have a right to be angry or mad or whatever it is because of the way they've hurt you. What you're doing is you're saying, hey, you know what? I deserve forgiveness, but I'm not willing to give it. And God says, no, that's not right. That is a virus. It's a hindrance to, 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 to having your prayers answered. So in conclusion, let me just list four things real quick because it sounds like bad news. I know for this last week, I've been dealing with a lot of things because, you know, getting up and preaching it and saying it is, is, is difficult. But at the same time, folks, what I want to tell you is that there is some good news. So here's the four things that we want to talk about. One is confess sin always and often. Don't make light of this step. Don't, don't say that this is something that, that's not important. Folks, we should, when we confess sin, we should be down before God and asking him forgiveness because sin separates us from his presence. It separates us from having a right relationship with him. We should not treasure it. Confess it. Confess it. What does confession mean? It means I admit that it's sin. I admit that it's wrong. And I'm willing to turn away from it. I'm willing for God to give me the empowerment to resist it. Okay? And he will. He'll do that. Victory is not me overcoming sin. Okay? Victory is not me overcoming sin. Victory is Christ overcoming me.
Okay? It's a different picture, guys, because one says, I'm trying my best to overcome this sin. I'm trying my best. It's all in my power and all my energy. And the other is, Christ is overcoming me, and he's taking rule and reign in my life, and he's empowering me to live for him. That's the difference. I want to live with Christ's power, not my own. Okay? So victory's not me overcoming sin. It's Christ overcoming me. Second thing, constantly exercise and grow your faith. Start by asking for more faith. But go back and maybe write down some things where you've seen God move. Write down where God spoke to you. Write down where God answered your prayers. If you don't have that somewhere, write it down. Get something, put it down. So you can look back and say, yes, God's alive. Yes, he answers prayers. It will help you in increasing your faith. Thirdly, check your motives. Always check your motives. Always make sure that you are praying along in God's will. That you are, that you are looking at the things from his perspective and not your own. Okay? And fourthly, reconcile. Reconcile. Give the same grace and love and forgiveness that you want from God. You can't necessarily make other people reconcile, but you can do everything on your side to make that happen. Okay? So reconcile. Do that. So when you fail, and you will, go to the Lord in prayer and know this. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. What does that say? One is it says he's going, he says he's faithful. When he's faithful, it means, guess what? He's going to do it. Even when I'm not faithful, even when I fail him, even when I'm not consistent, even when I resist uh, resist turning to him because I'm treasuring sin in my life or whatever. He is faithful. And he says, if I come and I confess that sin to him, that he's faithful, he will forgive me of my sin. Second thing it says is he's just. He's faithful and he's just. Just, what does that mean? It means he has the power and the authority to do it. It's nice to know that I'm speaking to the person who has the right to cross off the transgression and say, hey, you no longer have that marked against you. Isn't it? It's really nice. So, you know, it's better than going before a judge over a speeding ticket, isn't it? And getting that crossed off. I know none of y'all have ever had that happen, right? But let me tell you, he's faithful and he's just. He loves us. He wants us to have a right relationship with us. What a blessing it is for us to be able to come before him and to pray. Here's how we want to end the service today. Um, Andy's going to come up and he's going to uh, start playing some music on his guitar here, and um, we're going to stand in, in just a second as he as he's playing, and and we're going to open up the altars, and and we're going to ask you to come down for two things. Okay, one is uh, we've talked about these four areas of unconfessed sin, lack of faith, bad motives, and unforgiveness. I'm confident that man, we all struggle with those things in our life. And so we want to open up the altars because we want to pray as a church and we want to be in unity as a church that we want to impact our community and our world for Christ. And we want to do that. And the way to do that is to remove these viruses from our life and do that. And so, man, I I want you to just come up and I want you to, to be here at the altar and I want you to have a time of confessing your sin to the Lord. Okay, and I want to invite everybody to come up and do that. I know a few of you won't be able to come because of where you're sitting or whatever, but you can pray there. But certainly, I just would like to see people down here praying to the Lord and confessing their sin. And this, then after a minute or two, 
uh, as you stay down here, just stay down here. We're going to join together and we're going to pray as a church for our pastor and for his healing and his recovery. But man, I want us to be right before the Lord before we even join together to do that. And our chairman of deacons, David Lori, will, will come and he will lead us in that time of prayer for our pastor uh, as we do that. So join with me if you would, if you'd stand. And as the music's playing, the altars are open. Come and, and just get do business with the Lord. That's what we want you to do. Okay? Thank you, Lord. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight says, therefore, let men everywhere pray, lifting up hands without argument or anger. I'm gonna pray in a few minutes, but I'm gonna ask you to do something you may not be comfortable with but I, I just want you to hear me out with two verses um, scripture talks about lifting up hands and we're going to do that when we pray just now in Exodus chapter 14 scripture talks about the children of Israel living Egypt and uh, got to the Red Sea and uh, Pharaoh is chasing behind them and they cannot cross they don't know where to go what to do and they began to cry and complain in verse 16 of chapter 14, the scripture says that God said to Moses, lift up your hands and I will part the Red Sea and you will cross on ground land. That's the first instance. The second scripture talks in, uh, in Exodus 17. 
about Israel in battle with Amalek. And the scripture says that Moses went up to the mountain and when Moses has his hands up, that Israel prevailed. And when the hands of Moses are down, Amalek prevailed. The Bible says that Aaron and Ur came next to Moses and they held up his hands. And the scripture said that Israel was able to prevail over Amalek because the hands of Moses were up throughout the battle. So this morning, this afternoon, I'm asking you to raise your hands. We are going to extend our hands, trusting God for victory uh, as we raise our hands uh, to part the Red Sea and to and to give us victory. We are praying for our pastor. We are standing with him just like Aaron and, and her did for Moses to hold up uh, the hands of Moses. Why is it important for us to hold up the hands of Pastor Randall T. Hahn? It is important because he is the leader of this house. And however the leader goes, so goes the house. I mean, God is still in control, but we want to make sure that he is able to do what he's supposed to do. So we are going to hold his hands up and now. So, Father God, we just uh, pray for Pastor Randall T. Hahn right now. We thank you, Father, for sparing his life. It is you that God has spared his life. Oh, God, it could have been a different story uh, that we are here praying about this morning. But we thank you for the victory that you've given us, oh, God, by sparing his life. And even now, God, we stand with the man of God. We stand with his family. Family. We lift up Karen and the children before you, Father. We pray that you would, oh God, comfort and strengthen them even now, emotionally, physically. God, we pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit over them now, that you would give them wisdom, oh God, and understanding to navigate the rest, next few days and, and months that are going to come even through this recovery time, Father. And God, we lift up our pastor to you. We pray, God, that you would strengthen them body, mind, and spirit right now, God. We pray that the Holy spirit the spirit of life oh god the same spirit that raised jesus christ from the dead would quicken his mortal body right now god that the recovery process will be fast it will be quick and god we will be able to praise you and give you glory because of what you have done father we lift our hands this afternoon we say thank you thank you lord thank you for your goodness thank you for your mercy thank you for your grace we lift up all the staff to you we pray father that you God would uh, just quicken them. We lift their hands up also. We pray that you would give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to do all the things that are necessary that this house will continue to function the way you've called us to. Father, we thank you again for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for sparing our pastor's life, and we thank you for the speedy recovery. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And it's good to pray together, isn't it? It really is. What, what a blessing. I just want to thank you for being able to be such a wonderful part of this church family. How excited it is. How excited am I and my family just to be here. What a blessing it is. And we're just seeing God do some great things.